All right, hockey fans, listen up because we've got something special cooked up for playoff season. It's called the Daily Faceoff Playoff Parlay Challenge, and it's going to add some serious spice to your playoff experience. Now, here's the deal every playoff game, you're going to be faced with a handful of questions. It's like your own personal playoff puzzle, and it's free to join. And there are prizes because who doesn't love winning stuff? Daily winners, you're getting hooked up with gift cards. Treat yourself to some nation gear or maybe even your favorite jersey. And for the big dogs, the people who can win an entire round, it's straight, cold, hard cash. We're talking about real dough for your hockey knowledge. So lace up those skates, stretch those thumbs, and get ready to show off your hockey IQ in the daily face-off playoff parlay challenge. Sign up today and play every game day at games.dailyfaceoff.com and prove your puck prowess. You're listening to Dropping the Gloves with former NHL All-Star John Scott, a member of the Nation Network of Podcasts and delivered by DoorDash. Hey everybody, welcome to another episode of Dropping the Gloves. Thank you for joining us. As always, Tim's here. Tim, how you doing, my friend? Hello, John. How was your night? It was, you know, thunderstorm crazy, right? Oh my gosh, yeah. It was crazy. Monsoon. Like, we had... Oh, I couldn't sleep because my wife thought there was a tree that um, is right next to our house. that It's dead, and I've been meaning to cut it down. And she was terrified that it was going to fall into the house. And so I spent all night, like, just watching this tree. And I'm like, what am I going to do if it falls down anyways? But it was just, it was a, it was a massive, massive storm. Like, massive storm. But it was, it was good. New roof held up fantastic. Just, like, nice. rock solid, which was great. I'm like, boom, money well spent. But it was just a big storm. We went to the fair before. You know, have you, you remember going to the fair when you were a kid? I do, but I have not been to like one of the big mid midwestern fairs. Like those. So this is a, this was the Northern Michigan State Fair. It's a big deal. They have the 4-H club there. The kids are showing off their animals. They're selling them. They have a big monster truck, you know, rally going on. They have it was a big event, and they have obviously the fairgrounds, the rides, and you know, I decided to take the kids, and the wife, and so we all went. And man, it, 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 it's a, I, I don't go out much, Tim. I, I don't get out to see the public, what people are doing, what people are I wearing, know. what people are I saying. I know you don't. And it just, it really did solidify my decision of just like not going out because the amount of skin that we saw from young girls, it was alarming. It was, it was very, it was too much. And I'm there with my girls. And it, it, is it like that now? Like you, you're in the mix, you go to bars and stuff. Do you ever I don't go to state fairs? It's not like that everywhere. Oh, I like my wife and I were driving home when we were chatting about it. And I was, she's like, do you remember when we went to Vegas before we had kids? Cause we would go with the NHL meetings or something, or we'd go with our friends. It was just like a fun trip. And she's like, yeah, when women would get dressed up, you know, they, they would throw on their, their clothes. They're, they're like, let's go out revealing stuff. It's Vegas. It's time to party. She's like, it was worse at the state fair and these girls were 10 years <laughs> younger and I don't know what happened. It, it's, it, it's really sad. And I know I'm going on a tangent where this isn't a hockey or sports related tangent, but it's sad to see like young girls dressing like that. It's concerning. It's like, why are you 
showing off so much skin and acting like this when you're like 14 years old. You should not be doing that. You should be wearing appropriate clothes and having fun. You should be going on rides and having fun. They're like smoking vape pens and stuff and who knows what's in them. And I'm like, am I a fuddy duddy or is just this whole, have we just gone off the rails? It's too much. Well, part of it, you're getting older, but part of it, you got six girls who are like looking at these, the same thing you're looking at. And I'm sure it's kind of alarming as a dad. And I think uh, part of it is like the role models for all these girls are just terrible. And there's nobody out there who like promotes morality and promotes like being a good woman, a good person. It's like, I don't think a good person dresses like a, a prostitute to go to the state fair. And then some people might not like hearing that, but it's like, come on, give me a break. You don't have to wear a bra to the state fair and shorts up to your butt crack to like have, like get attention. Is that the kind of the attention you want? I don't know. My girls luckily were so enthralled with the rides that I don't think they really picked up on it, but I was just like, yeah, we got to get out of here. This is brutal. And all the young boys are like thinking, I don't, know, I don't want to get into it anymore than that. But I was just, I was shocked. Other than that, though, how was the fair? Was it like the rides cool, fun time? Oh, my, my two older girls, we got them bracelets so they could ride all the rides. Like anything, it was a free-for-all. They went on all the scariest rides. And I was like, you guys are, that was cool. You know, because last year we went and she would barely go on the Ferris wheel. She's like, it's too high, it's scary. And Ava and Gabriella, they just bounced around. And we were behind them, obviously, the whole time. And they went on like the zipper, the salt and pepper shaker, the tilt the world, all these like things that spin around and go crazy upside down and fast. And they loved it. Like she, Ava cried on one ride, but she, she said she had fun. <laughs> and then the little kids, we, we took them on all the little rides, like, I don't know, the, the merry-go-round, the, the, the Dumbo ride, the teacups, all those ones. And they loved it too, you know, and it was, it was a good, it was a good night. But yeah, once like it hit seven o'clock, I'm like, we got it. Like, it was just crazy town how bad it was. And I'm not talking like one or two or five or six, a thousand. Every single young girl was just inappropriately dressed. Like, and I, and I, I, I don't think I'm that prudish, but I was just like, what is happening? And they're little girls. They're little girls. It's so, it's so bad. Like, so, so bad. It just reaffirmed my decision to, like, homeschool, lock them up. They're not going to be dressing like that. And made people call me, like, oh, you're such, you're controlling your helicopter parent. I would rather my kid be innocent and go to that fair and have fun on the rides than go there to, like, be oogled at by creeps and, like, young boys and to be a sex object when they're 14 years old. No, thanks. I'll pass. Send send the letters to me. I don't give, I don't give a crud. Anyway, so that was that was a little disconcerting, but it was a fun night all around. Then we had the storm and the power's out. The power's still out at my house, so that's always fun. And here we are. Now, uh, now we're now we're doing a podcast. So whatever, and we'll probably get emails. I don't, it's just the listeners. You guys see it? Yeah, I, I know I got a lot of young listeners. Like, write in if you're a young teenage boy. Do you like that? Is that what you guys like seeing these like girls your age dressed like absolute like? strippers all the time it's like come on i'm gonna get stick my foot in my mouth so i should stop but it's wild stuff tim i'm glad i'm not single i'm glad i'm not young it's crazy crazy town out there that a dig was your night you you, (laughs) am i still young do i still qualify no no because i think it's like 20 and under and these kids are just they've gone off the rails they need to be reined in a little bit it's too much too much for these young kids but you had my a little night, travel hiccup. What happened to you? Yeah, my night was a little frustrating for different reasons because uh, I'm leaving, or I was supposed to be leaving today, 
for a work trip uh, down in Fairfax, Virginia, where the headquarters is. We fly to D.C., uh, about a 20-minute Uber from there. Um, Dropping the gloves and, head headquarters are in Fairfax? <laughs> no, I wish. No, I don't. Um, and so <laughs> I uh, – and, and my flight was around noon today, and it's like 4 or 5 o'clock last night. I'm like, huh, I still haven't gotten my, uh, my check-in email. I'm like, that's kind of weird. So I go to lock. I booked my flight for next week, next Wednesday, not today. It was the 18th, not the 11th, and I was like, oh, my God. And, of course, I had a PT uh, – appointment for my leg right then yeah so then finally i'm on the phone with american airlines and expedia for like two hours get it all sorted out but long story short i have to drive down to grand rapids today for two and a half hours and fly directly from there just the only way to make it work um just small airport in traverse city there's not a ton of flights and there was nothing going out today so um ended up working out okay you know what is cool though you know who lives down in grand rapids our old friend Larry, Who? Larry, Lawrence Lynch. Um, yeah. Up with him? So yeah, I think um, I'm going to get back to Grand Rapids like Saturday night at like 10 o'clock and I'm not going to want to drive back to, to Traverse City that late. So I'm going to stay with him and meet his new baby um, and have breakfast or something. So it'll be good to see him. All is, all is well. I'm still leaving today, but it was a frustrating kind of uh, experience. Well, at least it's all figured out. You're going to get out to Fairfax, Virginia. Good for you. Hey, everybody. I got some, uh, I, I have a request. You know, we get, you know, a few sponsors on the show. I really want you guys to go to DoorDash, go to the website, go to the app, use promo code GLOVESDD. It helps us out, but helps out DoorDash. They've been great for us. They've been a huge sponsor. It helps us stay on there. It helps us get you guys good content. And honestly, they're a good company. We don't pair up with companies we don't like. I use DoorDash. Tim uses DoorDash. They do good work. They get you food. You don't have to leave the house. It's just a win-win-win. So go to DoorDash, use promo code GLOVESDD, get yourself some food. It helps us out. It helps them out. The first time you use GLOVESDD with DoorDash, you get 25% off. You get free delivery. So that's a win. And even the second and third and the fourth time, use GLOVESDD. It still helps us out, even though you're not getting that much of a deal. You still get a 25% off. But anyways, use promo code GLOVESDD, go to DoorDash, and get yourself some food. Thank you. Well, we were gonna, we were going to do like a normal podcast, talk about hockey news, talk about other stuff, but there was some some sad news yesterday. One of the beloved Chicago Blackhawks, one of um, friend of the show, Tony Esposito, passed away, and I don't think it's unexpectedly. He's been battling pancreatic cancer. He was seventy eight years old, but he passed away. And Tony Esposito, you know, Hall of Famer. We got to talk to him many times going to Chicago and being around him. He was just a great, great guy. So when we heard that news, we were like, gosh, what are we going to do? We, we interviewed him. We're going to replay that interview after we're done with this little intro. But I don't know. It, he was just a good guy, you know, and I had a lot in common with him. Someone, not a lot, but someone, you know, he went to Michigan Tech. I went to Michigan Tech. He played for the Blackhawks. I played for the Blackhawks. He's from Ontario. I'm from Ontario. So we, we kind of had a lot in common whenever we would talk, whenever we'd meet up. I, I've chatted with him a good half a dozen to a dozen times. And he was just a really – do you remember meeting him in Chicago, Tim, and palling around with him a little bit? And, you know, he, yeah. he, he still gives you a hard time. And it was just <laughs> cool to see him because when we met him, he I think he was – when you met him, he was 76, I think, 75. About that. And I don't know. What was your in, in, take from meeting uh, as Tony Esposito? 
I mean, he was a sweet guy and a gentleman, but he was also just like, he was ribbing you pretty good. He clearly knew who you were. And there's a great moment in the interview. I forget exactly what you're talking about, but you're kind of like, yeah, if I had just done this or that, like maybe I could have been a better player or played more games. And he was like, yeah, I don't think so. (laughs) So yeah, he knew exactly who you were. Um, And he's so witty and, and, you know, he's still totally, you know, mentally with it and all that. Uh, which is cool. So it's sad to see him go. One of the great legends in hockey, one of the great, obviously probably the best brother pairing of all time with him and his brother, Phil. Um, and certainly like, you know, hugely influential on, on goalies today. Like the way he played his game, the way he styled his equipment was, a uh, you know, a source of influence for a lot of modern goalies in the nineties, two thousands, and now even so, um, you know, sad passing, but you know, a great life and uh, well, he'll be missed for sure. Yeah, he, he you know he won the Vezza in '72 and '74. He won the Calder. He won all kinds of different awards. He was a rookie of the year, like I said. He still holds a modern day record for shutouts in a season with 15. He had an amazing season. What I didn't realize his first NHL game was versus Boston, and he tied two to two. And the only guy to score two goals on him was his brother Phil. Yeah, so it, it's kind of cool those little stats. He he had a legendary career with Chicago. He made the Stanley Cup Finals twice, lost each time to Montreal. But, you know, he's the career leader in Chicago with wins and shutouts. He has the 10th most wins in goalie ever. So he's absolutely, like, one of the best goalies who ever played the game. So he was an ambassador. He did everything the right way. I've had a chance to meet up with his family. It was, uh, you know, a pleasure to be around him, to talk to him, and to know him, consider him a friend. So it's, uh, it's a sad day. Um, he's survived by his wife, his sons, Mark and Jason. He's got grandchildren. He's, uh, you know, his brother's still kicking around in Tampa Bay. He does radio there, but you know, we're going to play the Tony Esp- or excuse me. Yeah. The Tony Esposito episode, you know, I hope you guys like it. It's uh it's a sad day for us. It's a sad day for everybody surrounding hockey. He was just one of the good guys who would really do anything for you. He's always, you know, happy to sit and talk to anybody for as long as you wanted to talk to. So Anyways, hopefully he's in a better place. We will catch up with you guys on Friday. We're going to have another interview with um, Dylan Cousins, but we thought we'd throw this one in there because, you know, he was a good dude, and he was on the show, and we really love Tony, and he'll be missed. And the cool thing was we did that. um, It was a live taping at the Blackhawks convention in front of a live audience, so you'll hear a little bit of the laughter and the heckling, and he gave it to the crowd too, so it was a really cool thing. Yeah, so we hope you guys enjoy this, and we'll get back to you guys on uh, Friday with Dylan Cousins. Cheers, everybody. We're here at the Hawks convention. Well, I I didn't want to come to talk to you, but they forced me into it. It's always great to have people who want to come. It's it's, <laughs> it's really nice. I had all these positive questions, and we're throwing them out the window. So, Hall of Famer, unbelievable career, countless wins, pretty much started the butterfly style of goaltending. Calder Cups, Vesna Trophies, international fame, and it all started at Michigan Tech. That's right. That's what we have in common. He went to Michigan Tech a lot after me, but... You were there, what, 64, 65, 66, that range? I uh, went in 63 and graduated in, in 67. So he's a smart guy. You got a bachelor's in business? Bachelor of Science in Business. Whoa, excuse me. So, for those of you who don't know Michigan Tech, it's a small town in northern Michigan, Houghton, Michigan. The UP territory is right. It takes a special kind of person 
to survive at Michigan Tech for four years. So what yeah. what was campus like for your four years in there? Because you came from the Sioux, which wasn't that much of a transition to hold Michigan, but what was campus like? Can you expand on how – was it fun? Did you hate it? How did you get through the snow? Well, uh, there was uh, 250 inches every year of snow. Cold, windy, torturous in the winter. <laughs> but it was a, it's a good school, and I was happy to go there. And besides, I got a full ride, so that was even better. Didn't have to cut. Didn't cost us a cent. That was great. So why did you go? Because back in the day, nobody went the NCAA route. What put you in that direction instead of going to the OHL? Because I'm sure you got drafted the OHL, right? Yes, but what happened was when I was playing uh, for the Sioux, I uh, I was. I was very studious that way. So I wanted to to go to school because, you know, uh, I'm not being smart, but a lot of these guys uh, go into junior and they have no, no education. What happens when you're 35, 40 years old? You know what I'm saying? Well... I've seen hundreds. I've played for dozens of teams. I've been around guys much like you, and it's true. A lot of these guys who are studs and juniors, they don't get their high school degree. Then all of a sudden they go to the AHL, and they're not a stud anymore. Then they try to go to the NHL, and they don't make it, and they wash out at 23, 24, and it's like, okay, what do I do now? I don't have my high school degree. I am only good at one thing at hockey, and I can't do that anymore. And it's it's a big that's a big decision, though, by you to not go to juniors. That's kind of a... Did you well, think you were giving up on your hockey career at that point? No. I figured I'll come in in 67. 67 was expansion year. So there were six teams in the league before expansion. So I figured I'd have three or four years at college and then turn pro because... Then we went to 10, 10 teams and 12 teams. So I got a lot better chance of making the NHL than when you got six teams. And everybody carried one goalie only. Oh, is that right? I didn't know that. Well, stick around me, John. I'll why, teach why you did they? Teams. Why would they only carry one goalie? Because the backup goalie was a trainer. No way. He had junior experience usually. So... When a guy got hurt, the trainer would dress up and go in the net. That's the truth. That happened here in Chicago, right? Wasn't it the accountant who dressed a few years back? Scott Foster got the W. But, yeah, that's that's wild. That's how it was. And so uh, when you, you broke in with Montreal? Yes. And you were backing, because who got hurt? Gump well, Worsley? What happened was I turned pro and then I was playing in the minors. And in Houston, getting where in, I also played. And then uh, bounced in Vancouver for a while. And then, first of all, Gump got hurt. No, first he uh, had to 
he was in business with a restaurant and he he had to take some time off because he was losing his ass, so to speak. So he had to take time off the NHL and to take care of his business? No, because he went bankrupt. <laughs> so he was a wreck. So that was my opening to get in the door. And then what happened So you was, bankrupted his business on the yeah. side. And then Vashon was there and he got hurt. So I stuck around for a while. And then Gump broke his wrist after, and then I was, it was perfect. (laughs) Everybody around was getting hurt. That was perfect for me. I got my foot in the door, and that's that's how you got it. That's how you got a chance in the old days. Somebody had to get an injury, or you wouldn't wouldn't be called up. And then you got traded that offseason to the Hawks, right? Yes. And then it was... It was called a reverse draft. Oh, See, that's I'm educating right. you now. It's just like the expansion draft. The ex- reverse draft is you only protect so many players, and the team that finished last got first pick. Whoa, I didn't know that. So I was a third goalie in Montreal, really. They had to make a choice between me and Gump. And Gump was uh, 35 or 36, and thank God they kept him, because I hated Montreal. (laughs) (laughs) And went to Chicago in the reverse draft. That was the first pick. And then uh, I knew Chicago had a great team at that time. So why did you hate Montreal? Why did you hate Montreal? Why? Because uh, Montreal was... uh, very pro-French. Strike one. You know what I mean. I played in Montreal for a little bit, yeah. Yeah, so if you weren't French, you know, you, well, especially you weren't any, you never era. got any good, yeah, you never got any good press or anything. And and the, a lot of the people uh, were very cold. Like they they weren't like Midwesterners. You know, or friendly and all that. So it was just a different lifestyle, and it wasn't one for me. Yeah, they take their hockey a little too serious there. And I can't imagine, because that, that's back when you played with them. They had, I would imagine, who were the, the French guys they had? Was Maurice Richard there? Would that be in the same no, era? Or? Uh, Jean Beliveau. Okay, whoa. And Henry Richard. Okay, now we're talking. And uh, we had a real good team. We won the cup there. But the, the turn of your career was getting picked up by the Hawks. Oh, yeah. The first year. I was back to the Midwest. I loved it. Does anybody know how good a first year he had? Everyone talks about Bennington this year. Oh, he played good. This guy, Calder, Vesna, second in heart voting. 15 shutouts. 15 shutouts. And that's back when shutouts were hard to get. No one really had a defensive system back then. Like, that's where you got the nickname Tony O. Yes. Unbelievable. I think uh, Bob Verde gave it to me, probably. No one knows who that is. Bob Verde. Bob Verde. He was a guy that gave the name Dollar Bill to Bill Wirtz. I have no idea what you're talking about. He he, he was a great... uh, Great writer. 
and he was uh, had syndicated columns and all that. And he retired. Uh, he's with us now. Who? He lives yeah. in Astoria. Historian. Oh, he's a historian. Whatever. I'm not a That's a long word for you. I don't know. I'm an engineer, man, Tony. <laughs> we used to make fun of the business guys. Okay, so you guys had a lot of success in Chicago when you were here. Yes, lot, I was great very, very fortunate. Very, very good teams. What is the difference now in 2019, say 2012, 2010, 2019, versus when you were here? Well, you were... The problem with us is we were great in the early 70s. And then two things happened. The main thing that happened was hiring a Bob Pulford. And he uh, just brought the franchise. And who was that? Again, I'm not a historian. What do you mean? Was he, he the played, GM? He was, he was a player. He played for Toronto. Okay. And then L.A. And he worked in L.A. as the coach. And then he got fired, and we hired him. As GM. He was coach first, and then Tommy Ivan, who was our, our manager, he was forced out. So, so what, what did he do that was so bad? He just doesn't know. He was doing. very cheap. Uh, and that's okay. why Bill, he led Bill down that path. We lost Bobby Hull. We lost Stapleton. We lost... And then later on, we lost Ronick, Chelios, and uh, Amante. Scott. Balfour. Oh, yeah, you, you fit right in there. <laughs> I remember seeing you as a Blackhawk. It, it was a good run. Everybody wants to play for the Hawks. And you were lucky enough to now you're an ambassador for the Hawks, right? Yeah, I'm fooling them still. So what do you do? What does what an ambassador do? Just go up. Have a couple glasses of wine or no, pop or drink. water or schmooze with the fans. What is that? What do you do as an ambassador? How do I get that gig? I guess you have to be a Hall of Famer, apparently. <laughs> You've got a good gig going. <laughs> anyway, uh, what I do is uh, whatever the owner wants me to do. <laughs> and uh, Smart. he... Uh, Basically, I, I come for a, the games and with the sponsors and that type of thing. And then probably sometime I go out and when they, they're trying to get a sponsor, they bring me along. Send in the closer. And I, I, closed, I closed several of them. Yeah, you do. He's a closer, baby. <laughs> Tony, I was reading that you're very superstitious. Is that right? I don't know. Am I? Uh, I just uh, was very focused. I didn't talk to anybody at game days or anything like that. Were you weird like all the other goalies are? Like you won't let anybody touch your pads or your blocker or you wash your hair the same well, way? Well, I just shut myself off from everybody else. They, the other guys can joke around and do whatever they want. But if you're, you're, in, and you're not ready to play... And the goalie, first two or three shots go in, that's the end of the game. Yeah, I guess it's a little different if I miss a pass or miss a back check. It's not 3 nothing. That's true. I uh, I remember I dressed next to Ryan Miller. You know Ryan Miller, goalie for, gosh, where is he now, Anaheim? 
I sat next to him in the locker room. And after every practice, he would line up all his pads, his gloves, his helmet, and he would take like 10 steps back and he would stare at his stuff. <laughs> and he would look, then he would have a pair of scissors and he would go up and he would like cut one of the leather straps and he would step back again and he'd go and then he would like cut a string. And he did it every single day. And well, I, was I wasn't amazed. like that. On days off, I had fun. You know what I'm saying? It's time to work and it's time to play. Game days was strictly business. And other days were fun times. So, that's why I lasted so long. That's why you're a pro. That's why it's, I, I'm sensing a, a trend here between the difference between my preparation and yours and Dougie Gilmore's and Chelios's. And I just didn't do all that stuff. I, I guess I, I should have taken it a little more serious. Like, I would, who knows? Who knows the potential I could have had? <laughs> Very limited. <laughs> Very tough. Very tough. And, and you, you know, you knew what your job was. And you work hard at it. And you were aggressive. Oh. And that, nothing wrong with that. No, but you're But you know humbling. what happens? Other teams will will notice that, and they won't uh, take advantage of the lesser players, you know, the smaller players. I will say this. One of the greatest compliments I ever got was Kaner. My first year here, he said, this year I got touched the least amount of my whole career. And I was like, oh, that's nice. That's a nice that's, little uh, That's how it works when you got three or four, you know, guys that are aggressive. And Tony, you got to have it. I'm curious. How do you think John would have gone against the uh, the tough guys from your playing days? Oh, he'd be right in there with uh, all of them. Uh, I don't know who the toughest guy I've ever seen. Uh, probably uh, the most toughest guy who could take a punch was John Ferguson. Oh, yeah. Yeah. And uh, I forget who the hell was uh, playing... Uh, Paymont, uh, one of the... Ralph Paymont? I don't know who it was. Anyway, he hit him about uh, Ferguson about five or six times. And Ferguson just shook it off. And then the guy got tired. And he got killed. <laughs> it's, so it takes a good special fighters, person. Yeah. Good fighters got to be able to take punches. Yeah, it's not fun. It was. Have you? Did you ever get into a fight in your career? Yeah, I got in three or four. Well, five. sorry, Tony. Tell us about it. Well, what I did was, I got in a fight uh, two or three, three or four times. I took my face mask off, and we go toe to toe. Why should I leave my mask on? The guy has got a, you know, I got an advantage, and I wanted to show that. Uh, yeah, let's go. I would, I would, I would do it block, on block, your terms. Block her off too. Yeah, just fighting, just normal fighting. How did it? How did it go? I won uh, every fight. He's super humble, Tony Esposito. Everybody, it's great. well. What happened was Billy Ray said our coach said that he's never seen anybody, any goaltender fight like me, and that's the truth. The new goalie for the Hawks, Robin Leonard, is not afraid to mix it up. That's good. It is good. 
I think he's the toughest guy on the team now. Guys, will give him some room. Give him. I saw him in the hallway, and I, I literally steered clear because he looks like he could kill somebody at any second. He's focused right now at convention. I think it's going to be a good year for him. I hope so. I hope so, too. Well, with Crawford and Leonard, it's looking pretty good right now. Sorry, go ahead. So, Tony, you were involved in hockey after you were done playing. Yes. yes. Uh, I could tell you this story right now. As a player, when I got to be 41 or so, I, I was fired. Then Rightfully I went to so. Pittsburgh for two and a half years. I was fired. So what do you do? You just dust off and get up and go at him again. Then I was assistant manager for 11 years at with Tampa Bay Lightning. Then I was very fortunate to get the call from McDonough and, and Wirtz to come back with the team. And uh, they said they wanted an interview. And what happened was I was flying up and I couldn't leave because this snowstorm. So Rocky called me the next morning. He said, uh, told me the terms. And he said, if you want the job, it's yours. Uh, so I didn't have to come. So that was great. I really, I really enjoy this. I have fun and this is the, this town is great. And the people are wonderful. I like the Midwesterners. Oh, uh, Tony. Where are you from? I am not from the Midwest, but I live here now. I live in Michigan He was now. on a farm somewhere out in western Canada. Edmonton, Alberta, born. Yeah. He was in the barn shoveling manure, oh, all that stuff. Sault Ste. Marie, Ontario is such a metropolis. We didn't have a, it's 80,000 people. <laughs> That's a big city. Okay, another rumor. Did you come up with the name Lightning for Tampa Bay? I heard that along the way. Well, what happened was we were sitting on a a lounge bar. Lounge. Outside, up on the balcony, and and, uh, we were seeing in the distance Lightning. And we were trying to come up with a name. So it was actually my brother who said it said, look at that lightning. It's supposed to be lightning capital of the world or somewhere. And so we, uh, you know, we all tossed it around uh, to our four people who ran our operations. And we came up with it. And and we thought of how to market it. And then we come up with the lightning bolt because, like, how do you market a hurricane? That round thing in your jersey. I mean, Caroline, I mean. You know what I'm saying? You've got to come up with a gimmick. Like the Blackhawk head is the best. That's most. iconic. Yeah. And yeah. So you got to come up with something that you can sell. Oh, another thing. Wayne's World. Did they ever talk to you about using your jersey in that? Garth wore your jersey pretty much the whole time. Did no. you ever get input in that? Or did they ever say, hey, Tony, can we wear your jersey in the movie? No, I what? don't know. I didn't care. You got no money from that? No. Kickback? No uh, cameo in the movie? See, he's money-oriented. Uh, well, I have five daughters, that. so I... Yes. Five daughters? Yes. How old is the oldest? Seven. 
Holy jeez. <laughs> you got a long road ahead of you. <laughs> Can you, you imagine five kids at home? Like all of you? I'm blessed. It's, it's nice. I'm a good dad. I never said you were. <laughs> no, it's busy. It's busy. Well, you have two, right? I got two growing up, two grown up boys. Yeah. What's that like to have a boy? <laughs> Is it nice? Must well, be nice. When you get to be a, t- when you're, when they get 12 or 13, the big question you get is when you're talking to them, what do you know? Oh. They're at that stage, you know? Like, you don't know. And then you hit, you smack them. And then as it, no. Oh, you don't. As they get older, you get smarter. So when they're 18, 19, you're, then they ask you things. But when you got it really bad coming, because they're going to roll their eyes and say, what do you know? You don't know anything, Dad. Tony, that's great. Good luck to you. You're going to need it, believe me. Well, we'll end it on that note. He's such such a positive guy. Tony Esposito, everybody. Thanks, Tony. Thank you, guys. Appreciate it. We appreciate it, and we appreciate all you people. Believe me. Thanks for listening to Dropping the Gloves with John Scott, a member of the Nation Network of Podcasts. Subscribe wherever you get your podcasts from to never miss an episode. Delivered by DoorDash.